Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger, and I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart, and Then Go Save the World. My book is all about helping people love and be loved more than ever. I believe we all have a superhero of love inside of us. Yes, even you, superhero. And in this podcast, I talk to people who are all about helping us all tap into that superhero. May this episode make a difference for your heart. Let's get this party started. Welcome, superheroes. We are here yet again with a very, very special guest. I'm rubbing my hands together. (laughs) Very special guest. And I'm rubbing my hands together because it's kind of, she's a magically special guest because she has two enormous things happening the week of April. So the week of April 6th is really big for Jody Savin Miller, who is my guest today. Welcome, Jody. And we're going to talk about why there it's a big week for you, but welcome, Jody Savin Miller. Thank you. So first everybody, why I'm rubbing my hands together is not just because of her two exciting projects, but Jody's a really dear heart in my life who I've known for a really long time because she's married to one of my dear friends from high school who I've known since I was 11 years old, Randy Miller, director Randy Miller, who is an amazing humanoid on this planet Earth and a giant walking heart. And he always has been. Ever since I met him, he's just been a giant walking heart. And she married him. And I'm so happy she married him because it actually brought me closer even to Randy. And I just love hanging out with you guys even more. Not that Randy wasn't a draw to begin with. (laughs) But But I add the spice. (laughs) <laughs> right. You had the spice, jo- the Jody Savin spice. And we um, worked together on some projects because I, I, they, they are a writing, producing, directing team, the two of them, that dynamic filmmaking duo. And I have raised money for a couple of their projects and I support everything that they do. But I especially support the two projects that Jody is about to launch next week. So one of them, and we'll talk about this one first, one of them is is Trudy Strobel, who's been on a guest on this podcast twice, very dear friend. And the reason she's in my life is because of Jody. So Jody, first let's, let's talk about how you met Trudy. Hey, thank you, Bridget. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited um, to be in my place of quarantine with you in your place of quarantine, <laughs> looking at each other on the computer. It's the closest I've been to anyone in a while. Yes, yeah, so far <laughs> so good. Of my so family. far, <laughs> so far we haven't. Uh, so far we haven't found out that you can transmit it via Zoom. <laughs> That's right. That would be the downfall of the world. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll tell you a little bit about how I uh, came to meet Trudy. Um, it's it's when I look back on it, it's a wonderful story of the. Um, coming together of many generations of of people almost kind of randomly, although not totally randomly, but but I think it's a lesson in how in our kind of disconnected society when these when there's an orchestration of multi-generational friendships, it can blossom into something that nobody individually or separately would have ever anticipated. So um, I have to say I'm grateful that this, our, my relationship with Trudy, even knowing Trudy, was initially orchestrated by my daughter 
and by the Los Angeles Museum of the Holocaust. Because when my daughter, who is 17 now, was studying for her bat mitzvah, um, she was studying issues of censorship and um, the categorization of humans, which obviously uh, lent itself to the study of the factors that lead to genocide. And so she got in touch with the Los Angeles Museum of the Holocaust through her rabbi, Rabbi Ariel Hanin. And Sam Hutman, who was then the head of the Los Angeles Museum of the Holocaust, introduced my daughter Maya to Trudy Strobel, who happened to live in the next town over from us, which was amazing. And, um, and so on this fateful day, we went over there, we baked a challah because we are not the best cooks, but we're good at challah. And we brought this challah over to Trudy's house. And Trudy always, when she tells about how we met, she always says that Maya showed up with a warm challah in her hands. So it was the right choice of a gift to bring. Oh, it's and- extraordinary. Yeah. She's, she, it brings tears to her eyes even to remember that that's what greeted her at the door was these two shiny, bright, shining faces with a warm challah in their hands. And, and, um, and so we went there um, through this program that passes on the memory of someone who perished in the Holocaust. The, there is a program called Remember Us, the B'nai Mitzvah Project, that at that time was housed at the Los Angeles Museum of the Holocaust, and now it's independent of it. But through that program, Maya was introduced to Trudy with the, the initial reason for that introduction was so that Maya in the scope of her bat mitzvah, could accept the memory that Trudy was carrying with her of a child that had perished in the Holocaust. And um, that way, that memory would never dissipate into, into the atmosphere of lost memories. That memory could be carried forward, that the memory, that child would never be forgotten. Mm-hmm. And somehow, there's this passing of the baton that would happen because... We can never forget. And because Hannah Zigierski, who is the child that Trudy was remembering, that Trudy gifted the memory of to Maya, is a child with her own hopes and dreams and aspirations that were all cut short by a Nazi in Auschwitz. So um, this was a memory that Trudy was carrying because a friend, it was the child of a friend of hers, Leo Egan, whose name um, was changed. Leo Egan's name was changed when he got to Ellis Island, but his name was Zigierski in the old country. His child had been murdered in front of him, and he had been carrying this memory. When he was about to pass away, he shared this memory with Trudy and said, please remember Hannah. And now Trudy has shared this memory with Maya. Maya dedicated her bat mitzvah to Hannah, and Maya will carry that memory with her until one day she too passes it on. And that way... Hannah lives on. Mm. So that was the initial, that was the initial reason for the meeting. But when we walked into Trudy's house, it was amazing because we, we, um, not only did we meet this amazing person and when we first met Trudy, she was really, really quiet. Um, she was kind of in some ways just emerging from a a very long quiet stage in her life which we can discuss later but um but she was quiet and my daughter Maya is very quiet and I'm not quiet (laughs) but I was taking their lead so it was kind of a quiet meeting in Trudy's home surrounded by 
her amazing, amazing artwork, like amazing, like beyond amazing. I mean, if there were a word for like amazing on steroids, that would be (laughs) the right word. Because here we have a woman who was, when we first met her in her late 70s, she, yeah, in her late 70s when we first met, and had spent 30 or 40 years stitching visual testaments to her experiences in the Holocaust and also very intricately researched huge tableaus of the history of the Jewish people, thread by thread, strand by strand, because embroidery thread comes in multiple strands. Trudy separates them. So if you can imagine single thread by single thread, huge, huge tapestries um, where the renderings of the human face and the, and the landscapes are in such exacting detail that they're almost photogra- as photographic as you could ever imagine a tapestry to be. So it's, and there were all over her house. And so we were a little bit like, what is this? You know, it's like you'd walked into a museum that was inadvertently a museum. And I don't think Trudy had any idea of the magnitude of the art that she had created over the years. That was the amazing thing. So Trudy told us her story, and a lot of her story is illustrated in her tapestries. And and so you could, I mean, it was an art showing and a storytelling, but it was a quiet, Spartan version of her story at first because Trudy was quiet. She's not so quiet now, but she was then. And um, She's and, not so quiet now, largely in because of you, which is, is a huge testament, like your, your friendship and Maya's, your whole family's friendship, but you are the spearheader of the let's bring Trudy out into the world movement. And because you acknowledged her so fully for the first time, I think she hadn't ever been, like you just said, she hadn't really been acknowledged. She didn't know what she had. She didn't know she was creating masterpieces Right. And actually, I I can't take the credit. I have to give the credit to Maya because it was this all started with Maya's bat mitzvah. And then afterwards, we were we were gobsmacked. But we had this bat mitzvah. Trudy came to the bat mitzvah. She came to the party, which was Can I interrupt here to just say that's when I met Trudy was at the party after the bat mitzvah. I sat next to her. And fell in love with her. And then, but I didn't know she was an artist, but I fell in love with her. And I told you, oh my God, I'm so in love with her. And then you said, oh, you don't even know how in love with you you are. (laughs) You have to go to her house. You are going to die when you see what's on the walls in her house. And I had the exact same reaction that you did when I walked into her room, but I didn't mean to interrupt that. But that, that yeah. And then you guys became besties too. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. And um, yeah, I mean, it was really amazing. And then, and then, so what happened is after that, my and I had a conversation and we, and we were talking about how amazing the art was and how, and how unfortunate it was that only she and I could see it. And so, you know, at the time, and then, and we had that discussion with you too. And everybody was like, how do we put on an exhibit? And none of us knew how to put on an exhibit. I mean, nobody knew how to do it. And, and at the time, Maya was really young. And so, and Maya's a writer. So she wrote a short story called Trudy's Goose. And that short story got a bunch of recognition. And um, it's about, it's Trudy's Goose, Goose is one of Trudy's pieces. And so the story is an elaboration of the story 
um, about that piece, one of her very first pieces. Yeah, and it's an amazing piece because it's a piece of history because it's a piece that was literally stitched on her mother's skirt. Her, they, there was no fabric in the displacement camps after they were liberated from World War II. And the Red Cross had come to the camp to give little gifts to the children, and they gave Trudy a small sack of beads, and Trudy's face lit up. And I think her mother had not seen Trudy smile, maybe ever. And so her mother was so touched that her mother cut a piece off of the only fabric she had, which was the skirt she was wearing. And they proceeded to use these beads to stitch a goose because Trudy wanted to stitch a goose. And Maya discovered, after thinking about it, and we all have stolen this, this concept of the goose with the strong neck, but Maya sort of studied it and interpreted it as the goose needed a strong neck to hold up its head to fly. And this was the theme of Trudy's life. Like throughout all of this adversity, somehow she and her mother, who were alone in the world with nobody else, managed to navigate some of the greatest horrors you could or even couldn't possibly imagine by just maybe even internally holding their necks stiff and high. Because it externally they were trying to be invisible but there was just some image so maya wrote the story trudy's goose and a lot of it is about the imagery of the goose in trudy's life and and then i got the idea from maya to write a book so i sort of stole her idea about about writing but maya goes to high school and didn't have time to write a book so <laughs> it was my job <laughs> so, which is <laughs> Which is, let's just say, so the book is coming out on April 7th. Yes, in three days. In three days. And the book is titled? The book is titled Stitched and Sewn, The Life-Saving Art of Holocaust Survivor Trudy Strobel. And it's published by Prospect Park Books. And if you go on their website right now, um. I think they will even give you a 20% off coupon. So, <gasps> whoa, yay. <laughs> yeah, if you order it directly from them. Because, you know, now in the quarantine, it's hard to buy books. Although Amazon yeah. will be offering it, but a lot of the bookstores have suspended their book sales. Yeah, the and, moment. but independent booksellers, some independent booksellers, like our Roman's bookstore here in Pasadena is still fulfilling orders and... I encourage everybody to reach out to their independent bookseller. I was just at the market and passed by the independent bookseller, even in La Cunada. Um, anyway, so lots of little great. independent. So if you can reach out to an independent bookstore, that would be great. And if they don't have it, ask them to order it from Prospect Park Books. Right. Um, and the story that, that you just told, Jody, the story of the goose, that's in there, as well as photographs by Anne Cutting. So tell us, tell, tell about the, how all the photographs, how you photographed every single piece, the journey to photographing every single piece that, or almost every piece that Trudy is. Created. Well, Trudy is one of the most generous people I've ever met in my life. So Trudy would spend between a year and 10 years on a piece of, on one of these tapestries. I mean, she has ta a tapestry that's eight feet long. It's larger than my car. And cause I have a little Fiat electric car, but <laughs> we once held it up next to the car. Maya asked us to so that we could take a picture for, for her project. And um, 
and it, it's bigger than the car. So transporting some of these pieces is, is difficult. But um, yes, Anne Elliott Cutting, who is a friend of mine and an incredible professional photographer, um, agreed to, to shoot all of Trudy's art that we could find and access. And so um, some of this required some travel because Trudy had given a lot of her work away. And so we applied for a grant from the Memorial Foundation for Jewish Culture, and they were wonderfully generous and gave us a grant that enabled us to go on the road. And, um, and you know, with Anne and Jody's Roadshow with our equipment and um, shoot a lot of these pieces. Some, some of the pieces um, were graciously shipped to us, and then we were able to ship them back with this grant, and, and so we could shoot them in Anne's studio. But... Um, eventually, we were able to shoot the majority of the work that Trudy has, has um, made over these last decades. Um, so, and, and Anne is a master. So the work is so beautifully shot. I am so grateful to her and so thrilled. And then, and then, and then we, we found this publisher who's actually local and I think who had absolutely no intention whatsoever of publishing this book when we first met with her. She was just meeting with us as a favor. And when we told her Trudy's story and the story of how we all came together, um, she said, okay, let's put this book out in April. <laughs> it was amazing. We were like, great. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, it's my first experience writing a book because I'm a screenwriter by trade. And it was an amazing experience because um, – um, Colleen at Prospect Park Books is just amazing. Her, I was really, really worried about the, what the book was going to look like because the artwork is so amazing. And so the aesthetic of the book really mattered. And I don't know anything about putting a book together, but I was so happy with the work they did. They did an amazing job. And I'm, I'm so Gorgeous. grateful. It's stunning. And your words are stunning. You did, you did, you did a huge, beautiful service to Trudy. Oh, who doesn't well, have you. time to write her own book because she is still stitching. She is stitching what will be like the crown jewel as of now the, yes. of, of her, of her lifetime's work. She is stitching right now. Just, and she knows what her next piece is. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so she's very but, busy. <laughs> and now let's go back in time just a tiny bit because let's talk about the art show. So I was reaching out to all these galleries across the United States and synagogues and saying, you should, you should have a Trudy show. And, and, and I was getting nowhere with any of these huge, even when I had an entree into the galleries or to the synagogues, I was getting zero traction. They were all like, oh my God, her work is really beautiful, but no. And it took a 16, a, a then 16 year old Maya Savin Miller to, to make it happen and tell us how she made it happen. Cause she made it happen in the most, she really wanted other people to see Trudy's work, Maya. And she brought Trudy into her school to speak. And, and as it turned out, Trudy is a masterful speaker, especially to children, because children just, they get Trudy. So when Trudy speaks to high schools, middle schools, the kids just, they get it. And for so many kids, they, a lot of them write her letters after and say, you made me understand what really happened because I could see what happened through, through your eyes. And so, so Maya was really young, but she really wanted to share this art with her school and her community and then the bigger community and the world. But, but she too had no idea how to do this until 
she heard about the Dragon Kim Foundation, an amazing foundation based in Orange County that gives grants to teens with a vision of how to have a positive effect on their communities. Um, you, you should all look them up because the Dragon Kim Foundation deserves all of our kudos. They are just an amazing group of people. Anyway, she applied for this grant. She was very passionate about it. <clears throat> it was a very different project than they usually give grants to, um, but they, but they, I think they heard how passionate she was about this project and it, and, and this project really fit into what her concerns about the world are because Maya has always been concerned about living in a country where there's just so much intolerance and where we don't embrace each other's differences. Which can I interrupt here just to say that that's one of the things that Trudy is so passionate about speaking with all age groups, but especially to children, but she loves speaking to any age group and she's just as eloquent and just as moving. You know, there's never a, a dry eye in the house, but that's what she can speak to in a particular way, having endured what she did, that you can, you can, you can still move forward with love and hope in your life in spite of circumstances like that. And she, so she speaks to you know, overcoming adversity, if you've been bullied, if you're the victim of, of intolerance yourself. And then she speaks to the bullies and she has a knack for speaking to both the bullied and the bully and to everyone to open their hearts to not standing for intolerance and standing for love and not fear anymore. So if you ever need someone to speak on that topic. I'm just giving a shout out that Trudy is an extraordinary speaker on that. And it's, yeah. So yeah, but, but that, thanks to you guys could, getting her out there and doing this. And now she's speaking incredibly regularly that museum of the Holocaust sends her out when, whenever somebody needs her, needs someone to speak as a Holocaust survivor um, in Southern California. But, but, um, we'll get her wherever she needs to go, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, and she's discovered Uber. <laughs> so, yeah, and the other, the other point that Maya often makes is that you can hear all of these statistics about the millions of Jews and, you know, the 6 million Jews murdered, 10 million people total murdered in the Holocaust, you know, Slavs, homosexuals. The devastation is so overwhelming that in a way, well, Maya always says it just washes over you as this intangible statistic. But if you meet one person, if you meet Trudy, then you know somebody who was a victim of this, who lived through this horror, and then the horror becomes more real. And so that's, that was sort of Maya's overriding goal was to have people meet Trudy. If they can't meet Trudy, see her work, better both. And so she got this grant from Dragon Kim, put on the inaugural show with a partner. She brought on a partner after she got the grant because it was a huge project. Um, Lila, who she's known since preschool. And um, they, so they put on the first show, uh, which was in LA, in LA on the West Side. Um, a lot of people came together. A lot of people supported them. The, the venue was donated for free, something none of us adults could ever figure out what to do about, right? <laughs> yeah. 
and um, a lot of people came out and supported them. And so from there, it moved to the Armory Center for the Arts in Pasadena. And it has now moved to the JCC in Orange County, um, where it will go up uh, when we all come out of quarantine. It's actually down there on hold. And then from there, they're hoping uh, they're, they're under consideration by various venues around the country. And they've gotten some other grants since that time. They, they have, they got a grant from the Pollination Project, and they have the support of Remember Us, the Holocaust B'nai Mitzvah Project, which is what put them, which introduced them in the beginning, of course, and then the Righteous Conversations Project. And, and you know, they keep applying for more grants. And you are all welcome to visit Trudy's website, trudystrobel.com for other information about it. But that, so, so that's the project, the book. We're very excited about the book coming out. And yep, April 7th, let me just say it again, April 7th, and just say the title one more time, and I'll put it in the podcast notes too, and I'll put links to Trudy's website also where you can see it. Okay, it's called Stitched and Sewn, The Life-Saving Art of Holocaust Survivor Trudy Strobel. Yay! Okay, and now we have to switch gears to another enormous project. I, I honestly don't even know how you're keeping your head on straight when you have these two huge, obviously the book is done, but still, I remember when my book came out, there was just all this, you know, like, what should I do now? What should I do now? And you have two huge things coming. So the second project is something that is, is a product, is an app, and is related to this coronavirus right now, and it is a huge public service that you are offering. By the way, the book is also a public service, literally. I mean, that book is going to change lives because Trudy's story changes lives, and you, you, you told it so beautifully. Now, tell us the name of this app that is launching next week. So Sindesi, S-Y-N-D-E-S-Y, you can download it right now. We're offering it for free because even though this app was designed to foster healthy connections in both a private sphere and a professional sphere, it has a feature that we believe can really help people right now. What's happening right now is in countries with more autocratic governments, they are doing what is called contact tracing. And um, so the big brother governments are looking at collecting all of your cell phone data and tracking where you are. So if you if you come down with a contagion, if you're infectious, they can just um, take over your data and then figure out where you are. We will never do that in this country of freedoms. It's just not our way. At least I don't foresee that happening. Um, so it's up to us to voluntarily track our own movements. Sindesi happens to have a check-ins button. And this check-ins button is right on the desktop. So wherever you go, you just press the button. And so if I'm, if I, I mostly stay home, but every once in a while I have to go to the grocery store, I have to go to the bank and I have to go to the post office. So wherever I go, I check in, I just literally press a button and it says, it just registers that I was there. It gives it a time, a date and a geo stamp. So it knows exactly where I was when, if in three days I find out I have the virus, I'm sick, I can go right back and print a report of everywhere I was. And if you have Sindesi, you can look at where everywhere you were from your check-ins and you can cross-reference with my report to know if you also have a problem and if you need to self-quarantine. So 
because we are not a big brother kind of government, kind of country, we, um, we have to rely on each other, like, you know, as one, as a community, in a way that we don't typically do voluntarily. And I, I think, that, I've been thinking a lot about this. I think this is a horrible time and everybody's under a lot of stress and this, is, this pandemic is terrifying. But there is always, there's always a silver lining to everything if you look at it hard enough. And so I'm always trying to figure out what is the silver lining? What is the upside of this? Because there has to be. Otherwise, it's such a desperate situation. And in many ways, I see the upside of this as people are cooperating. People mm-hmm. are looking out for each other. Pe- people aren't going, what about me? What about me? I mean, neighbors are reaching out to neighbors. People are sharing toilet paper supplies. You, and, and in the store, if you have to go to the store because you've run out of everything, um, people, are, like, they stand aside. They let you go in. Nobody's grabbing things. People have gotten kind and have come to accept that they are part of a community in a way when our lives are fast and busy and out there, we're always trying to get somewhere. We sometimes, all of us, forget that we are a vital part of a bigger community our local community and our global community. And this horrible, horrible pandemic has taught us that we are all a part of the same global community because it's just smacked us all in the face and woken us all up. So if you're going to look hard for the silver lining, I think that that's it. Because if the world is to become a completely tolerant community of people from all walks of life, people from all races, all religions, all everything, people with every possible kind of difference. We are all people. And this disease, this horrible virus has showed us that. Mm. And I think it's brought out, I mean, clearly there's probably cases of nastiness happening, but I think it's brought out a it's brought out a remarkable sense of community in people, kindness. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so Sindesi is there to help. Sindesi, download it. We're offering it for free because we think everybody should use it. It's easy to use. Once you download it, you have to type your information in the way you download anything and sign up for anything. Once you have it on your desktop of your phone, you just click, click, click wherever you go. And then your information is there. You don't ever have to share it if you don't want to share it. But, and, and if you don't have any information to share, if you are safe and you never come down with anything contagious, you never have to share it. But if you do and you want to say to all these other people, I need to be part of this containment. I need to be part of the solution. I need to share where I was because I got sick. You have that information down to the minute and the place. So... We're encouraging everybody to take advantage of this now. Download it now. It's, it's, it's only optimized now for Apple devices. So, um, but if you have an iPhone, grab it now. Is it, are you in the, flow, in the flow of checking in when you go somewhere? Does it, does it become kind of an automatic thing that when you check in somewhere, you just hit that button? Are you in the habit of well, it Well, I am. I definitely yeah. am. I mostly go downstairs or upstairs, but I keep <laughs> checking in. <laughs> Yes. I mean, I have actually 
gone out. I, you know, I went, I went to Trudy's house to drop off a cake the other day. So I checked in. Right. But yes, when I leave the house, I check in. Yeah, it's so easy to do. You th- then go online on your desktop computer or your laptop computer and then see because you know how it's harder to see reports on your phone. I don't know. I just like seeing the report version of things. Can you go in online and look at the reports? Like, let's say I came down with it and I'd been doing it for two weeks and I wanted to look at where I'd been and alert people. Um, how do you, can you do that? It's and so simple. Okay, yes. Go ahead. Here's what you do. You go into the reports button and you press check-ins, you can generate, Sindesi has other purposes, but with the, with the reports button, you can just press check-ins report. It generates the report like that. It's a PDF. You send it to your, you send it to your email and you can open it on your computer. There's a website, sindesi.io, .io is for apps. So if you go to sindesi.io, it, it um, will give you lots of articles on, on the app, the initial intentions of the app and how the app can be used now. Um, we have a little video up there too. And tell us about your partner who I know is going to be on CNN this week. So tell us about him. And So my partner, um, my partner is a lawyer who started his career as a federal prosecutor of sex crimes and then segued into cyber sex crimes and cyber, then from there cybersecurity. So he's a, he's a cybersecurity expert. Um, who's often consulted on various different news programs. His name is Himanshu Nigam, N-I-G-A-M. And um, I, I just met him. I was, I mean, I'm a movie producer most of the time. So I was in a meeting with another producer who happens to be Hamu. We call him Hamu, Hamu's brother. And he told me who his brother was. And I'm like, dude, it's nice to meet you, but I really want to meet your brother because I have this idea. And so we started this app, which was very much about connecting safely with mutuality, with communication and responsibly. Let's tell, tell them, can, can we talk about what that was originally about, what it was inspired about? Because the timing was another crisis of sorts. Um, Yes. I mean, it it was, the, the timing came out during it, it all started at, it was actually pre-Harvey Weinstein, but there, there was an incident that, that alerted me to this in my, in my private life. And I started thinking, wow, everybody's looking backwards. What happened in the past? How do we punish it? How do we bring a, shine a light on it? And that was the main thrust of what became the Me Too movement. Um, for folks that want to connect safely, mutually responsibly, you use Sindesi. You say, I say, Bridget, uh, I send you a, it's a connection request. Bridget, can we meet for coffee? And you write me back. Yes, please. Know, no, not interested. Oh, <laughs> Fine, no. done. All right, Bridget, do you want to meet for coffee? And you say, alternatively, yeah, sure. Let's meet at 12 o'clock, right? We go have coffee. It's an absolutely horrible encounter. You're the worst person I ever met in my life. I never want to see you again. I don't know what happened in the meeting. I'm totally flipped out, right? So I pull out Sindesi. I mean, nothing terrible happens. Nothing unsafe happens. It's just freaky, right? And this, this stuff happens all the time. I mean, it's happening. It happens to me, to me every day. <laughs> With yourself. <laughs> I'm teasing you. No, but <laughs> this stuff happens in life. It happens in business. It happens dating. Yes. It happens with random people you end up meeting. So 
what Sendesi does is, is Sendesi allows you to, well, you can obviously check in and it knows you were there. Um, you can also then, I walk out of the coffee shop, I get in my car, I drive around the block and I can then record a journal pretty much to myself that says I had this bizarre meeting and I can write down everything that I'm confused about because usually these encounters that are just like baffling are, mm -hmm. are also disconcerting. You can't sort of figure them out. But so you write a few notes. This is what happened. Sindesi knows you were there. It knows you're now around the corner because every entry you do is time, date, and geostamped. Um, it's pretty much notes to yourself. Um, and, then, and then you move on. If nothing, if you, if I never run into you again, and, or we never meet again, and nothing ever happens again, fine, it's my own anonymized information. But if you start showing up outside my door, and I hate to say things like this have happened to me, but if you start showing up wherever I am, and it's getting creepier and creepier, I just keep making a note with Sindesi. And then if I have to report it to the authorities, if it's within the office place to management, if I ever have to report this, it's not just he said, she said, or in this case, she said, she said, right? <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm like, look, here's my report. I, I, I was here. Suddenly she was there. I was right. there. Suddenly she was there, right? Or what happened? The details of it. What, what made me uncomfortable? Um, it also has within it an emergency button, which is to me, a great thing because, I mean, I'm, I don't leave my house now, but in times when I left my house more often, um, you know, you get into sticky situations sometimes and you want to call for help. And so um, what Sindesi does is with the press of a button, if you find yourself in a situation that you don't know how to get out of or that you need immediate help, you press that button and an emergency notice goes out to your emergency contacts that you've set up. They get a note that you need help, and obviously it, it it's time, date, and geostamp. So your emergency contact knows exactly where you are. They know whether I mean they can decide whether to come themselves, call the authorities, or we recommend both. Um, and 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 then it also has within the journal button. So if if I leave my horrible encounter with you, and I drive around the corner and I quickly jot down in my journal what's happening, I can also make a call from within the journal feature so i could call i could call my best friend joe and say joe oh my god right and then you know so often people will say i called my mother i called my brother and there's no i mean everyone's like yeah sure she no, called right, her mother right. and her brother right. but sindesi knows that you made that call they don't know what you said on the call they're not recording your call but the fact of the call is registered mm -hmm. so it has all these emergency um, features in place. So that's why I wanted you to talk about your, um, your partner because he's an expert in cybersecurity. So this, so he has a, as I mean, obviously you care about that just as much as he does, I'm sure, but you have a keen awareness to having this, this information stay private within the app and it doesn't yeah. go anywhere. And it's all other. anonymized unless you choose to use it because you know, this is a, this is a democratic country that believes in our individual freedoms. And so we do too, but it's an empowering app. It gives agency. I mean, we have big long-term goals of putting the app in the hands of people with no agency in countries and situations where, you know, just to have a job is a violation of 
of the expectations of that community. So if you're being harassed on the job, you can't even report it. You can't even tell your family because the fact of having a job, you know, is already violating what they believe is right. So Mm -hmm. if you, information is power. So if you can start to log your experiences and so can everyone else in your workplace, the more information, the better. So, you know, that's why we want people to use this. We want to offer it for free. Um, We want to offer it for, you know, your own private, like location tracing and so that you can provide information to anyone you may have come, come in contact with. And on the flip side, so that people can connect in a way that's, that fosters communication, responsibility, and mutuality. The most important thing is this is us taking responsibility for tracking ourselves for the health of all of our communities. So I can't, like if we had all had this app you know, a few months ago, that would have, it would have made, we would have probably been able to flatten this curve a lot earlier if we had been tracking things and seeing how contagious it was. And that, you know, 25 people that went to X business on, you know, February 13th, you know, were sick within a week. Exactly. I mean, we thought of it we had to rejigger the app a little bit in order to make it uh, to optimize it for this particular situation. But we thought of it early on and we went, oh my God, we could be part of this solution with this technology that we had just created and we're about to launch. And we thought, you know, we can, people aren't connecting that much now, but they have a way bigger need. Like we all have a bigger need, which is to be responsible for where we've been and who we've been in contact with. And a lot of times like contagious contact is stigmatized by the public. But in this case, this is another, this is another, I'm always looking for silver linings, right? Mm -hmm. This is another silver lining because the fact, if we are contagious, we should be open and share whatever it is that we could be communicating, you know, what, whatever we could be um, infecting other people with or hurting other people with. And, and we, I feel like the global community is very open to saying, I have it. I'm going into self-quarantine. If you've come in contact with me, go into self-quarantine. Right. I mean, that is, that is progress. I think I feel like everyone I've talked to is prepared if I get infected, I need to let everybody I've been in contact with know. I have children. Um, when they were in middle school and, and suddenly somebody had lice. Oh, and, right. and people were like, lice, that's such a dirty thing. We don't want to admit it. You know, if, if yes. the nurse called you into the office and, 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 and checked your hair, then the parents got upset. If the nurse said, we found lice in your child, the parents got upset. I mean, I mean I'm not. I, it, lice, my father's a dermatologist, so lice is just another thing that you get in your, you know what I mean? I don't, I mean, years and years ago, I guess it was this stigmatized, horribly stigmatized thing, and the stigma is carried over. But think about it if everybody used Sindesi who got lice, right? I was here, I was here. They would all know, oh, all these people should go get their heads checked yes. for lice or go use. You know what I mean? But so most people hid the fact that they had the lice. But I have this one friend who just sent an email out to the whole school community saying, my daughter has lice. If you have been with my daughter, go get your head checked or go use whatever you use to kill lice. And, And I remember thinking, what a 
mensch, we say in Jewish, right. like, what a, what a great human, you know, she yeah. was like, I don't care about the stigma of lice. I just care that everybody, everybody who might have been exposed goes and gets checked. So we don't keep spreading it. Yeah. So there, we just came up with another use for another <laughs> contagion, right? Maybe, maybe your app should be called Mensch. <laughs> be a Mensch. Admit it if you've got Corona. Be a Mensch. Admit it if you've got lice. <laughs> All right. So that app is out now. I'm sorry. I thought it was launching next week, but next week, your- Well, it's officially, I mean, you can get it, you can get it from the Apple Store now. So okay. From the- and your book comes out Tuesday, April 7th. So it's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, kind of a tiny bit of a big week for you. Kind of a big week. Kind of a big week. And But you can download the app now and you can purchase, uh, pre-purchase the book now too. Yes. Especially the book from Prospect Park Books and the app just from the app store. So it's S-Y-N-D-E-S-Y. Okay. I am downloading it as we speak. Copacetic Connections. I love that. (laughs) Copacetic Connections, you guys. How could you not want to download an app that says Copacetic Connections? And it's fantastico. All right, so we're going to get as many people on Sindesi as possible. I'm getting it right now. I will fill it out as soon as we're, as soon as we're done here. And so, I'm happy to be your emergency contact. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be so great. Oh, my God. Uh, it's beautiful. Oh, my God. And the logo is, oh, my God. The logo is a little heart holding hands, like two hands holding in the shape of a heart. I thought that's why you invited me onto your show. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a superhero of love. And you know what? I've been talking about, I keep posting about that we have to help hold each other's hearts right now. And this is, and you are somebody that has always done that for me. And you're, you're doing it. You do it with Trudy. You are, you, you you did it in the most extraordinary, dramatic way by writing her book and getting her book published. And Maya did it in the most extraordinary way by getting her, her work out there in the world. That is taking care of Trudy's heart, is getting her much-deserved um, masterpieces out in the public. But this is so taking care of our hearts by, by, by being a part of the Sindisi community here. Um, it is really taking care of our hearts and taking care of our community hearts. So thank you for being a superhero of love, Jody Savin Miller. <laughs> thank you for being the superhero of superheroes of love. <laughs> <laughs> that was Jody Savin Miller. Check out her book, Stitched and Sewn, wherever you get your books. Again, I encourage you to reach out to your local booksellers, independent booksellers, and buy it from them and also check out download right now Sindesi friend me on Sindesi S-Y-N-D-E-S-Y in your app store or go to Sindesi.io to check it out if you like the podcast please go rate and review it subscribe to it tell your friends about it we need more superheroes of love into the fold right more than ever sending you love superhero have a great day